Welcome to Series 3 of the Bowen Buzz Podcast. My name's Chris Reed, and here we get to talk the buzz on all things Bowen therapy from interesting practitioners, trainers, and we also get to hear from experts sharing their secrets to assist Bowen therapists grow in their businesses and grow in their lives. So welcome to a very special episode of the Bowen Buzz. Today we get to meet Ozzy Rich. Ozzy, founder uh, of uh, Botech Bowen around the world and also of the Bowen Therapy Academy of Australia. Good afternoon, Ozzy. Good afternoon, Chris. Thanks for, thanks for coming in and coming on to the Bowen Buzz. I've been wanting to have a chat with you for, for some time. As we, you remember, we had a, a conversation on stage at a conference at the foot of the Italian Alps about uh, six or seven years ago. Yes, I remember that. That was great. Good fun. It was good fun, but unfortunately the recording didn't come through very well, so I just thought it would be a great opportunity to, to catch up and have, and have a chat about, uh, about all things, uh, things Botech. Good. Good, good. So I think it would be really good. Now, a lot of people obviously who would be listening to this know who you are, but there's people that come, come to Bowen all the time, new students, people who have never heard of Bowen before and they come across it. So do you mind if we go back to the start, Aussie? Yeah, sure, no problems. Okay. First of all, I want to commend you and thank you for your great promotional work with your buzz and video work that you do. It's a, it's a credit to you and we appreciate it. No, that's great, Ozzy. I mean, part of it is just actually letting people know about what, what Bowen is and how to get more people doing good Bowen to, to, uh, to more people, then that's, uh, that's uh, going to be mission accomplished, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So well, I, I might just jump in because I was going to say that obviously I think your today I want to talk a bit about your story as well if that's okay because I think the the Botech story is almost like um, uh, Bowen chapter two isn't it because obviously uh, Tom Bowen was where everything started but uh, right. and we might come to that uh, we will come to that just down a little, down the track a little bit if that's all right. But even just sort of, um, I'm just sort of doing a little bit of uh, groundwork here, Ozzy. So you, you were born in 1932. Yes, that's correct. So if my maths is right, how, how old does that make you this year? 88. 88. 88 yeah. years young, eh? Yeah, never used to tell my age once, but now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's almost something you can hang your hat on, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, we're very thankful. Thankful to the Lord that we're alive and well and as well as we are. We've had our little ups and downs, but, yeah, it all started way back when I first met Elaine, actually. There you go. There you go. That's what the whole the whole Bowen thing did. But but you, you started well before that. So you're born country Victoria. You're here in Australia. Yes. So Andy Hamilton, at a, at a, at a, uh, what, what's the little uh, the area called, Aussie? Byaduck. Byaduck. The little country, 20 or 23 kilometres on the Port Ferry Road out of Hamilton in gently undulating country with the Grampians in the background. And I was born at the Kiora Hospital, which is one block from our office where is I that, am today. That, so you haven't, <laughs> gone, you haven't gone far. Or I haven't gone far. No, <laughs> or you've done, you, <laughs> <laughs> so you've done a few trips out and back, but you've always come back, Aussie. Yep, always come back. Yeah, still in the, in the home uh, farm where I was bo- born from, born in Hamilton, of course, but uh, still on the farm where I grew all my life and still there. Okay. And your family were from that home originally, were they? Uh, yes, my that? family 
great-grandfather or great-great-grandfather came out from Germany in 1853 on and selected land there and um, they selected 500 acres and added to it a little bit since then and that's uh, that's where it all started. So we're into about our, my son Graham's got a son, and he's the seventh generation of wrenchers uh, that will. I don't know what he's doing. He's uh, he's only fifteen now, but he may be a farmer. He may be something else. Still farming that same that same land. And is it is it? Would you call it green? What's 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 paid a picture, Ozzy? Uh, the ground, the land, the is land. sheep and cattle country, gently undulating, not steep hills, but nice hills, creeks and flats that keep it green in the summer. And it's on the Port Ferry Road. We're only 38 miles from Port Ferry from the coast, so that's always nice to have a trip down there in the summertime. Not this time of the year. <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but not anywhere. There was a, a, a confounded pandemic that's caused tremendous impact onto our Botech work right around the world. That's right. So, <laughs> so that, back. So, so just back to back to the farm just for a moment. So you, you you're on this this beautiful piece of country there. Now you grew up there uh, on working on the farm with. Uh, they had some some brothers, wasn't? Yeah, I had three brothers, and the eldest uh, only died this year, age 92. Oh. And I've got two, I'm the youngest, and two other brothers, 91 and 89. Oh, 90 now, no, 90 and 91. There was only five years between us, so we always had great fun together. We were a team of young boys that played footy, cricket, and wrestling against each other on the farm. I had limited education because we were forced to leave school by, or asked to leave school by our father and work on the farm. My other three brothers uh, left the farm and bought their own farms and continued farming till they retired. And um, I'm still there, but my son Graham runs the farm with us, and that's right. And was that a, a bit of a rite of passage if you were the like you were the youngest son, Aussie? So is that sort of how that would normally work in a in a farm family like that? That you would yes, be left to run the, the family farm. <laughs> Yes, yeah, it is typical. Sometimes it's usually the eldest, uh, the, but then the eldest, by the time this is only one, well, it's easy, easy as it were. But um, yeah, it so happened that I inherited the home block and uh, 500 acres uh, adjacent to that. Beautiful. Okay. Now, what about when you're at school? So you see, you left school fairly early. So did you have any real ambition around what you might do after school? Was any sort of thought about that or was it always going to be sort of ordained that you'd go onto the farm? It wasn't so much as it was ordained. I would say that I enjoyed it. I, I always had an inkling of wanting to help somebody. I was always intrigued by if I'd got an injury as a young teenager on the farm or something, there were always some sort of natural therapist in the area that helped you uh, recover from your injury and that always intrigued me. They just do a few moves on you and you were helped. There was quite a few, you know, from the South Australian border to Melbourne. And, of course, eventually uh, it was meeting with Mr Bowen that was the icing on the cake. Icing on the cake. Now, before you met Mr Bowen, though, you met someone else. 
Yes, um, I met there was a uh, natural therapist. No, I was, I was talking about a young lady, was he? Oh, young lady. I was oh. talking about a young lady who you met. <laughs> well, actually, yes. I uh, went to a youth camp at Mount Evelyn, just out of Melbourne, and uh, I, that's where I met Elaine. Strange thing, when I first saw her, I thought she looked a little bit different and more attractive than any other that I'd met. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where it all started. But so I had it all going against me because at that time I was 24 and Elaine was only 16. Right. And I said, well, that's no good to me because she's not going to marry a, a go with an old man. <laughs> and so it took our time to get going, but uh, the interest remained and so... So was that, was that a careful... Um, did you have to tread carefully there with her, with her, perhaps her father, if you were going to go out with a young girl at 17, if you were 25, was it? Well, it worked out okay, as it were, because <laughs> I played my cards carefully. Well done. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we uh, married when Elaine was 19. Right. And, and okay. uh, then she came and lived on the family farm with me. You know, I, I, hear, I, hear, I did hear, though, that uh, the honeymoon was interesting in the way it, it started out, Ozzy, on, on, the, on the trip over to Tassie. The, say that again, sorry. Yeah, the honeymoon on the trip over to Tassie got off to a, ro- a rocky start. Oh, yeah, you can say that again. <laughs> we had the roughest crossing the ship at the Princess of Tasmania ever had, and uh, poor old Elaine, she said it's the first time she's travelled on the sea by rail. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she was hanging over the rail most of the way. Yeah, she, she fed the fish all the way over. <laughs> oh, that's tough. That's tough. oh, dear, Very dear. naturally inclined, and then uh, it was, and oh, it was terrible. We, we obviously took our car with us, and when we went to drive away from uh, Devonport, I think that's where we landed, we could only go one or two miles, and she'd have to get out and walk because she couldn't get her land legs. <laughs> yeah, so it's a bit of a slow start, but. That's uh, all right. You're in it for the long run by the sound of it. Uh, yeah, well, this year we've been uh, we'll be 61 years married this year. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it's fantastic. So, no, we've been... Yeah, we've been very blessed. Everyone has their ups and downs. We struggled. We never had anything financially to start with and um, we just pushed on and... Anyhow, so be it. So be it. That's right. So now, obviously, we and the story is that Elaine was what prompted your. You talked before about having an interest in helping people, but it was certainly Elaine's story that prompted you to move forward into perhaps learning massage for a start or exploring that. Is that yeah, right? That's true. Um, <clears throat> she said to me, um, you know, when we were going together, that she has back and neck injuries because she had fallen out of a car, family car, when she was three or four years old and uh, bounced down the road. And there's one of those old cars where the door opened, the back door opened out, and she must have leaned against it and fell out. And, She's going 50 k's an hour. She never broke any bones, but she damaged vertebrae in her back and neck. And uh, she's her parents, her mother particularly, was amazing how she used to take her to every possible help she could to help 
Elaine lead a normal sort of a life, but uh, as far as her health was concerned, but she was told she'd be in a wheelchair probably by the time she was 30. She'd been to doctors, physios, chiropractors, everyone you can think of. And um, then she said to me, well, you know, I can't very well go with you and I can't marry you because I'll be an encumbrance to you. But that didn't win any points. I said, not a problem. And um, I was aware that after, well, even when I started going with her, we found different people in the area, even went as far as uh, Shepparton, uh, Casterton, different Ballarat, Geelong. But before we went to Geelong, I met this uh, man, uh, Bert Rivette from Portland, and uh, he said, I'm going to a conference in Adelaide, and he was helping me. I was learning massage at the time I started because I, I took whatever training I could get to uh, be of some assistance to Elaine. The people that I went to, they helped me. And then eventually we went to this conference in Geelong. He said, it's a national health conference. And at morning coffee time, he said, there's Tom Bowen over there. I'll introduce you to him. Well, <clears throat> I didn't even know what Tom Bowen was or did. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable, this story, but it's true. And he had... Tom Bowen, this is Aussie Wrench. I said, pleased to meet you, Mr. Bowen. And I don't know why the words came out of my mouth, but I said, um, pleased to meet you, Mr. Bowen. I'd love to learn from you. Why I said that, I don't know. And he's shaking my hand, looking at me, and he says, good, come down and I'll teach you. And Bert Rivers says, well, good, I'll go too. He says, no, I'll only take one. <laughs> it's quite an embarrassing situation. But anyhow, he said, Bowen said to me, oh, this was morning coffee time or tea, and he said, I'll ring the secretary at lunch and I'll let you know. And straight after lunch, he found me and he said, you'll be down at my clinic in Geelong next Wednesday at 9 o'clock. And I, oh. I, I sort of felt like I don't even know what's going on. Pretty, <laughs> so pretty said, short, yes. short notice. Short notice. So I, and that was Saturday in Adelaide. We had to get oh. home from Adelaide on Sunday. And then I said to Elaine, we were married at that time, of course, and uh, I said, told her what I'd planned to do. So I thought I was only going down for one day just to right. see because I had been in other people's clinics. I had, I, I was just hungry for learning any modality I could that would help Elaine. Mm. Uh, but many of these others helped her to a degree, but none to the extent that Mr. Bowen did because obviously then he treated her and, and uh, shook his head when he felt her neck. And he said, whatever you do, don't have any other adjustments, uh, physical adjustments to your back or your neck, or you might finish up very seriously ill. Right. So you could so, do it. You could feel and she it said after he treated her that she'd never felt such a change in her neck and her back just from one treatment. But then obviously he treated her again. And so the story was that that uh, – really was what got us into Mr. Bowen, but he was most accommodating and generous to us. 
and helping us, and so too was his secretary, Mrs. Rain Horwood, and um, of course there's stories and little <laughs> videos being made of that story. Which yeah, are, that's right. We're looking forward to coming out uh, soon. I'm hoping so. It'll be <laughs> when it does come out. So you you headed down on that on that Wednesday, and then you went. So Geelong from Havens about a good three hour drive, wasn't it? Yeah, it's two on. I can tell you in <laughs> miles. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we'll, we'll say about uh, two, three. Two and, a, two, two, and a, two and a half, two, right. two and three, two, and, yeah, two hours 45 yeah. comfortably. Decent, yeah. old, decent old drive. So you headed down there like on a periodical basis? Well, I, I only said I went for one day, but he said to me, now you come back next week. Right. And uh, I, so I did. And then, and then he said, now come back next week. So I so did. So I've always been curious, what would a typical day look like as you arrived at at Bowen's Clinic, say on on a, on a Wednesday or whatever day a week it was, you were down that week. What would a typical day be like at his clinic? Well, I'd always have to be there before nine o'clock, and at nine o'clock, and the, uh, the first one I went to was in La Trobe Terrace, which is a physiotherapy building now. I That's think. right. But, yep. And, and um, I. Uh, would get there at nine o'clock and there would be a queue of people waiting outside the door to get in. He never made appointments. Mm. He'd open the door at nine and they'd go in and there was always a girl on reception and they would give a number and they'd go and sit in the waiting room. There could be 10 to 15 people in the waiting room and he'd start and he'd have two or three rooms going and he said for a start, just follow me and don't do anything and don't say anything. Okay. <laughs> so I, of course, that's in in the treatment room, but then we'd go out to the back and, of course, we'd talk then a lot about whatever we were doing. So he'd treat one person, but because of the nature of the work, which is unique in the world, where he would do a, a, a series of moves, it depends on what injury the person had, it might be, um, you know, one, two or three, four moves, which would relax the body. And he used beds, strangely, not benches for people to relax better. And he'd do a few moves and then he'd have the girls, his receptionist would have had the next patient uh, in the next room and the next room and so on. So we'd just go from one room to another, do some moves and say, this one needs about two minutes to relax and then I'll be back. So uh, he'd come back and he'd say, that's changed. And then he would proceed to do more moves. And so this was what it was, but it, it, by... 12 o'clock, he'd say, right, it's lunch now. He would have treated 30 people in that period of That's time. That's incredible, isn't it? It is. And, yeah. and you'd think, well, they got a short shift, but no, they didn't. <laughs> they could have been anything from 10 minutes to 30 minutes in the right. room. Yeah. Depends what injuries I had. A lot of them, obviously, they were work and sport-related injuries, mm. which he reset the body to heal itself, as no other modality does, because every other modality, hands-on or even physiotherapy, is uh, imparting the training of that person or that modality onto the person, whereas Bowen, totally different. Uh, just like waiting the paint to dry, <laughs> letting you <laughs> do a move, allowing the body to respond and then working on the response that that body has. So the body heals itself. He said, don't ever think of yourself as a healer. You just think you're a facilitator of the work. So 
Well, you know, so, then he would come in after lunch. We'd go and have lunch somewhere. And uh, after lunch, it'd be the same thing. He would work from uh, until about four o'clock, do another 30 people. So that's 60 people for the day. But after that, he would go and attend to the disabled or the people in a hospital or a home somewhere. And uh, for no charge, would go and help those. So he's a pro- uh, prolific worker. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so you, so in those days you were following him around and then eventually, I suppose, assisting in some of the work that he was doing. Did you? How did you remember what, what you saw? Because obviously there was no you – he wasn't following any notes or anything like that. How did you um, – would you write things down at the time or did you go home at night uh, and write them down? How would you well, do that? I was dumbfounded for a start because I couldn't believe what I saw because I had – uh, studied massage and I had studied other modalities uh, which were physically applying those techniques to the person but this was responses coming from seemingly not doing much work at all but allowing the person to respond and um, so I lost my train of thought there. Yeah, well, I was wondering how you actually recorded. Like, how did you oh, remember yeah, when, you, when right. you went well, home yeah. what to do? I was going to, yeah, I was going to add in that after three weeks, three sad days, I said to him, I can't follow your work at all. I'm not going to come back, Mr Bowen. I'll give it away. And he said, and he's always short on words, but they are always deadly accurate. He just said, talk to my patients. And I, there was always people waiting in the waiting room, so I took the cards that he had and walked around to each person and said, what was your problem, how long have you been coming and so on. Right. And uh, they said, well, I went, whether it was two weeks or two months or six months, um, I said, well, you haven't been back for a long time. And they said, well, I haven't needed to. Where have you been going for treatment? They said, I wouldn't go to anybody else. So I learned that he had something that nobody else had. And uh, I said, well, I'd better try and do this. So for a start, he wouldn't allow me to do any work. I'd just sort of follow and watch. And no, I didn't take notes the very start. But then he said to me that now, you know, you should be taking notes and charts. He didn't have any notes or charts or manuals himself for me to look at. So I started taking notes and scribbling them on a pad and... um, then I'd show them to him. Some of them he would tick. Some of them he would put a line through them and said, no, that's wrong. So <laughs> I then, of course, was able to correct what he suggested to me. And eventually he said to me, now you can go and do such and such moves on in the first room and I would go and do those moves and he would always go in after me or two minutes or more later and check it out and he'd say you got it right or that was very good. So eventually he, let's say, trusted me more and more or assigned work for me to do and so it enabled, it was, he reckons and Ren, his secretary, said he always liked me there because he said it enabled him not to be under so much pressure himself, especially especially after I got uh, more experience. And the greatest thrill I think I ever had was when he, Ren rang me up one day and said, you've got to come in tomorrow because Tom's got the flu and he's not working and you've got to run the clinic. (laughs) 
well, it was like <laughs> playing AFL footy when you're 12 years old. <laughs> so uh, we did got through the day and um, it was – and Reen helped me and she followed me and watched me because she knew as much as he did. She was a very efficient and very helpful person. Yep. Yep. Oh, it's amazing. So, so eventually you had to sort of, uh, when it comes to sort of put some pen to paper, I was even trying to make some sense of, of what you had and what you had in your head, I suppose, uh, rather than sort of um, just have someone follow you around to sort of try and put pen to paper. Was that a difficult process? Yes. It, uh, well, it, it, because I didn't have special training in uh, physiology and anatomy, um, and of course, I was just looking for charts and stuff and drawing what I thought. It was difficult. Uh, difficult not so much in putting it down, but in its accuracy. Was it correct? Um, I mean, if you go and apprentice on a job the first or second day and you start writing down what the boss is doing, uh, it has to be vetted and, and, and assessed. And so um, I was always keen to have him look at what I'd done and uh, give a comment on it. And, he, and uh, so yeah, eventually, you know, I, I got to that stage. I never dreamed, I never had the intention of ever teaching it because all I wanted to do was learn it, first of all, to help Elaine and then if it worked then to, to obviously go into practice and treat other people. So uh, after two and a half years, I said to Mr Bowen, because I, he had full confidence in me and he agreed that I could should practice on my own. So I, because of the connection with the farm, which at that time, by the way, I had probably leased it out and had other people running it so that I had free time to work as a, a, a bone therapist, that um, I started on my own or with Elaine in Hamilton. And uh, Mr Bowen, which amazed me, he would come up and uh, he came up when I said, I'm going to start and such, oh, I said, I'll come up and help you set your clinic up. I mean, why would he, a man of such knowledge and skill and busy, travel two and a half hours? But that was the nature of it. And he said, now you want to put your bed there, you want to put your desk there, you want to put this, you want to do that. And and I was thrilled with that, you know. So that's that's how kind and gracious he was to us. Yeah, so uh, we started off very lightly, but eventually the way he said, and another thing, you know, which I tell people and they don't believe, don't advertise. What? Don't advertise? Yeah, so, okay, if he told me to jump off a cliff, I probably would. <laughs> I would have. I think I was on the edge of a cliff then anyhow. But anyhow, he, uh, I didn't advertise. Uh, apart from the very time that I opened, the local paper knew that I was opening in Hamilton and they came and took my photo and said he's opening around there in French Street and that was all. That was in the paper, nothing else. So it was, a, bit, it was a slow start, was he then? Very slow start because um, – but what I did was I aligned myself with the Hamilton Football Club and uh, the um, – 
the coaches and the trainers uh, said that I had to sit on the bench uh, in the dugout when the game is on and could attend to any player on the field uh, as there. So I treated some players and the players uh, came to my clinic and then they told their friends and their mothers and fathers and friends and, and it just swelled. So in the first six months, we were only working one to, uh, or the first couple of months, one month probably, we were only working one or two days a week. But then after six months, um, we had to go full time because it just spread by word of mouth. It's fantastic. You know, there'd be a lot of bone therapists out there just starting their practices or, you know, students thinking, gee, even Aussie Wrench took some time to get to get traction in his business. And I suppose there wasn't, you know, people didn't know anything about bone therapy back then. It wasn't even, did you call it bone therapy? What were you doing? What did you call yeah, it? Yeah, well, um, yeah, well, I suppose we didn't till later on, but we, we did call it Bowen, you know. I said, yeah, I'll do Bowen on you. I learnt this from Mr Bowen in Geelong. And, yeah, we called it Bowen, but I didn't have a sign up out no. the front uh, till later on, till we established the academy and uh, then we, we – it wasn't called Bowen Therapy. Uh, but we called it bone therapy and we established the name, the bone technique. Yeah, so why, I was always been curious about that too because it was obviously you saw what Bowen did, but you didn't name it after yourself. You named it after him. Correct, because it, it, I got the knowledge and the skills and the procedures from him, so how could I, with a clear conscience, call it the wrench technique uh, or any other name that I generated? And so I... Um, said that's that, that of course you know the story of when eventually he became ill and passed away that a couple of days before he passed away we were in the Geelong hospital with him and uh, I took his hand and I said I promise you Mr Bowen I'll make your name known around the world and I don't even know why I said that because at that time I hadn't intended to teach it. I was not a teacher at that time. We were just had a very busy clinic and that was happiness to us was a full clinic. Yeah. And he passed away in 1982. And uh, in the succeeding four years until 1986, um, we were probably, apart from a couple of the guys, that, a few guys that had learnt or some of the procedures from him in Geelong and Melbourne, um, we were the only real bone therapists in the world, only two. So um, we just... Um, um, As you worked away in the clinic, how, how, it, how did it come about to, that you started teaching? How did it, how, what was the process there? What was the well, catalyst? In those four years from 82 to 86, we had other practitioners from Victoria and one from Western Australia, one from Queensland, who came and watched us work as though we were a phenomenal. They said, we've heard of this technique. we just come to watch your work. They didn't even ask for permission. <laughs> and there's one guy from Western Australia uh, who had been an expat from Victoria and knew about Bowen and was over there and he came and watched me and he said eventually, well, the others all said, look, if you don't get out and teach this stuff, it'll be lost to the world. So 
and that encouraged us somewhat. And the guy from Perth yeah. said, I'll set up a class in Perth if you'll come over and teach it. What do you want? And I said, well, um, I don't know, 15 or 20 people and see how it goes. So we went over. That was in 19... In, um, 1986, um, we went to Perth and uh, took a class and we came, stayed there for a week and did two weekends and basically taught as much work as I could in one go and it was only going to be one class. <laughs> oh, okay. And did you take, did you have notes to hand out at that point, wasn't Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, we ripped up some notes of which is still the original students laugh at them because they were just photocopied notes on coloured paper with hand drawings on them and, uh, uh, the notes, uh, the, uh, the written procedures, I took time off. Sometime uh, in that period when I really spent time writing and drawing the notes as these first ones were, and, of course, eventually we had a lot more help from Margaret Spicer and Jenny Lowry and other uh Eventual instructors who helped us get the notes in the format which you see today. Yeah, format. Yeah, and we a lot of people really helped us in that, and and would take the notes that we had and said, "Oh no, you want to change the uh, terminology there? That's a little bit incorrect." And uh, so we were happy to accept that sort of training just in. The correct wording. Well, I suppose a lot of, I mean, like you say, Ozzy, your knowledge was quite limited, wasn't it? You weren't a, you weren't an osteopath or a chiropractor as uh, the other ch- uh, some of the other chaps who worked with Tom Bowen um, was. So you sort of didn't have that um, that 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 anatomy sort of knowledge, but you were able to take what almost like what you saw and and remember it and repeat and repeat it, perhaps because you didn't have to make it fit fit any other training. Is that is that right? Uh, I think that was my strength, if I can call it mm, that. Yeah. But I had a photographic memory of I saw him do a move. I can still to this day see Mr. Bowen doing the moves. You know, I can visualise his hands exactly where they were. And uh, when I saw him do another move I hadn't seen, I, I just, uh, you know, I think that was a skill that if you call it a skill, because I didn't have the correct terminology for the physiology and anatomy that I should have. Of course, I worked on that too over mm. the years. Yeah, but you knew um, what you saw. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Right. Now, look, from Perth and, and Hamilton to to America, how on earth did you get to America? <laughs> well, <clears throat> um, we... we uh, I think the Lord works in mysterious ways to make things happen for you. That we, uh, in 19, I think it was the year 1980, um, we did a tourist trip, a bus tour, a trip to America, and then a bus tour for three weeks around the highlights of just California. And on that trip, we were billeted in some towns to homes. And we were billeted to a home in uh, Auburn in California where, of course, what I was doing then was all the people on the bus had their problems and we were treating them. Okay. 
treating them right, left and centre and got to know them. So we got this one place and this one couple uh, watched us work and said, hey, um, we've got a, a daughter that's got multiple cirrhosis. I'd love you to treat her. Well, we didn't treat her there and then, but this guy came to Australia with his wife and found us and said, if you come over to America, you know, we'll, you can treat my daughter and uh, we'll set a class up for you. And I thought, well, uh, that, that's where it started. That And the daughter married uh, this one guy, Milton Albrecht, and, and uh, they we went over and stayed at their house and the first seminar we had, they had five students for us. Okay. <laughs> it's a long way to go for five students, wasn't it? It's a long way to go to five <laughs> students. That, that, that was where it started. So oh. we uh, took that opportunity and, of course, uh, I was in – Industrious, if that's a word enough, that I'd take the opportunity to talk to massage groups in these towns and to uh, spread the word around that this is something. And there was an international conference on of all modalities in San Francisco that I probably, I just forget that logistics of that, but I probably made that happen at the same time to make the trip worthwhile, if you know what I mean. So... Um, I I got wrote to them and got an invitation to speak on the bone technique at this international conference, and there was every modality there that you could think of. And in lunch, uh, they sat me at a table with about another ten in a round circular table with another all the other speakers. And uh, there was tea from the, oh, I don't know, Dr. T, I could just about remember their names, but all the leaders were there and they were fascinated. Is that how you said. come to go to Europe then? Is that well, England? Or? Uh, yeah, well, there was always seemed to be a connection. I mean, how did we get out of Victoria, you might say? Well, That's exactly right. <laughs> we uh, taught in Melbourne and... Uh, then there was somebody from Sydney, I don't know who it was exactly, but said, oh, look, you know, I'll help you set up a number in Sydney. So same it was. In each state, there was somebody that seemed to uh, attend a seminar in Victoria and then invited us to do a seminar in one of the other states. And so it was, uh, as we got that American connection, we got an English connection and a New Zealand connection that uh, somebody said, you know, if you'll come to England, I'll arrange uh, numbers to do a seminar there. So I, I honestly don't know how we did it. I mean, it it wasn't organised by us because it was it was too good. I suppose I suppose if you thought back, uh, if you're going to start doing it today, as you not perhaps at your age today, but if you thought of the gee, okay, I've got this, I'm going to take it to the world, you wouldn't know where to start, would you? But like you say, just just having the drive and and the promise that you made and the and the industry or the industriousness that you actually continued to make it happen, and certainly I suppose wherever you went, it just flourished. Uh, like people would would learn it and then become perhaps you go back and, and uh, they become instructors in that area. So um, yeah. Yeah, that's what you found? Yeah, that's the way it was. I mean, 
you know, obviously we're Christian and we believe in God and we believe that he guides and leads us in our life. And uh, this I reflect back to Mr Bowen himself. Uh, he came from a strong Salvation Army family and I said to him, everybody asks, not everybody, but people ask me, where did he, you learn it, where did he get this knowledge and uh, he as far as I know I mean I can be wrong in some things but as far as I know he never had any training with any other hands-on modality uh, he may have conferred with Mitchell and uh, McAllister and other guys that were in Melbourne whom I also knew and he, he might have compared notes with them but essentially he had no training as we would expect today and um, yet um, well he was able to he, he had he had a <laughs> A passion, and he had, well, he had a drive. Yeah, he said, I he? said to yeah. him, "Where did you, where did you get this knowledge?" And his simple answer was, "It was a gift of God." He just, that's all he told me. That's the only knowledge that I've got of where he got. I mean, I tell my story of Bowen because of my experience with him. There are many other people that were in and out of Bowen's clinic that make their own interpretation. I mean, I can tell you some funny stories about people coming into Bowen's Clinic. There was one guy, a chiropractor from, from um, Canberra, came down and without notice, he was there at 9 o'clock one morning when I was there, and he said to Mr Bowen, oh, I've just come to watch your work. And Bowen was very generous in that and he said, he didn't say anything. He said, all right, okay. So he followed Bowen around and he at, at lunchtime he says, good, now I know how your technique works. Thanks for having me. I'm going. <laughs> he, in the mail, Bowen showed me the check. He said about a, uh, I don't know, a week or two later, this guy wrote to him from Canberra and said, thanks for having me and teaching me your technique. He says, here's the check for $25. <laughs> <laughs> teaching me. Well, Bowen was, he nearly went off his rocker. He, saw, he was never so disgusted and hurt. And he took the check and he tore it up. And, and that bloke went and practiced Bowen technique on what he saw in two hours. And we know we know it takes a, a lot longer than that to get your hand, head around it and your hands yeah. around it when you're being taught carefully, doesn't it? Say. <laughs> but, you know, and I suppose, I mean, Bowen, how else? He, he seems, from what you're telling me, Aussie, that he sounds like a humble man. So when you say, how do you know what you know, he's not going to say, oh, I just know it. I just, you know, it's my intellect or it's my, you know, innate ability. He's going to say, "Well, it's yeah, it's, it's as he would as a Christian. He'd say it's, it's just a gift from God. But I can't explain it any other way. I suppose is what he's saying. Yeah, isn't well, it? that's that's right. I mean, he, uh, he he just didn't just didn't happen to him. He also studied, read books, talked to other people. Right. Uh, you mm. know, there are stories too that he went to abattoirs and uh, examined the fascia on muscles of animals to see where you worked on this muscle and it affected that muscle. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I, 
I only heard that from him and heard that. I didn't experience any of that with him. But uh, he, I mean, it was, I think I liken myself to him that I studied, I had that many books on it. I've got about eight or ten certificates on other modalities that I trained in just to get a certificate, just to get some knowledge, but I never practiced them. Massage, I even did physiology, because I didn't have didn't go to a university or a school of knowledge uh, you know a seminary on Bowen work other than I was at the real seminary the Bowen seminary Uh, but uh, you know it's not because of us but it's the most really an unusual story how that uh, we were blessed enough to get into that situation because of Elan's injury that uh, I we searched and searched and I learned a lot of things from a lot of other people in the field before I even went to Mr Bowen on on how to handle muscles and, and nerves and, and even chiropractic adjustments. But, um, you know, when I was Mr Bowen, I told him that I've got this knowledge or I would do this or I would massage that when we when I first started and he just says empty your mental cup and start again <laughs> right. right don't forget the yeah. oh, that's incredible it's a great story Ozzy and look really and you probably touched on this before but can I can I ask you um what's you know what's the essence of bone what makes a move because I've heard you say you know you can you can do a bow move anywhere on the body you can do a bow move here you can you can you know depending on what the body needs but what's what makes it a bow move what's the essence of a of a, a bow well the essence of bow is that whenever you touch the body anywhere all the body knows about it and the body is a unit the body is so holistic that you know um, you and it has been written about by John Wilkes and many others on how energy travels through the body and how the uh, Frida Arani mentions the nadis around the abdomen that there are 72,000 messages that the body knows. You can touch the body anywhere. This is where people won't believe. You do the first two moves on the lower back of somebody and uh, it addresses the whole body because the body takes it as a message, the emergency is over. And how does that be? Well, energy travels around the world in two and a half seconds. So obviously when you touch the body anywhere, the energy will travel to the brain to send the message back to the foot, to the arm, to the muscle, to relax, to straighten, to correct. It is just phenomenal, and that essence through the fascia or through energy is something that you have to use Bowen to make to understand how how this works. Maybe I haven't explained it as well. Well, I think I think I wonder whether we'll know in the in a hundred years more, perhaps how, how it actually does affect exactly, so we can. Yeah. You know, track it, but but it's that that I say what you're saying that the body's a unit, and you touch the body anywhere, or you touch in some really specific places, you get you get yeah. that that 
initiation of healing. Probably one of the best explanations was by James Oshman that spoke at the uh, English seminar in uh, not seminar the English the conference we had in England uh, in I think it was two oh six or two oh eight. That and his articles were in he I think I'd never heard better explanations of how energy does travel and he talked about how bone worked and those articles if anybody really wanted them they're available in uh, past issues of bow and hands this bow and hands that we're producing now and which will be available next week to post out in september uh is um the um 114th issue and in those bone hands there's a lot of amazing articles that have been written by far more uh, physiology and anatomy talented people than me on explaining how the technique works but you've got to understand it and believe it and you can't embellish it you can't add to it if you if bone said the move is this that's all you do. And this is what people don't understand. Sure, they've learnt massage. They've learnt other things that work, but they are not needed to embellish bone. It's a standalone technique. And that it's if you accept that and then trust that technique, you'll find, and we find going around the world as we have now, there's over 50,000 people have taken at least bone training around the world. And uh, there are 28 affiliated associations around the world and we've got 140 accredited instructors around the world. And the people that when we go back in our travels and see them, the ones that get the great success are the ones that do it without adding anything to it. And then the ones that fall away and say, I use it for a while, are the ones that add a bit of chiropractic, add a bit of massage, add a bit of something else uh, on top of bone, and that interrupts that uh, for resetting of the body that heals itself. It, it interferes with that. That's great. I was, and it's amazing. I can hear in your voice, you haven't lost one ounce of that passion, I think, that you first took to Perth or you first took to America when you start talking about it. We, <laughs> sorry. So, what, so yes, you're, and it just continues to spread. And it's, yeah, Bulgaria and Romania, a lot of those Eastern Bloc countries, it's really moving forward and continues to grow. So can I ask, what, what's your hope for the future of Bosnia? I mean, you're 88 this year. I don't know whether you'll be going internationally again. Well, I think uh, uh, COVID virus has stopped you for three years, probably. Well, it may have done, but you might go back over it. You know, when you're when you're 91 or two, but that's okay. We can talk about that down the track. But what? But what's your hope well, for the future of bowling? Well, first of all that the instructors that we do have and the affiliated uh, groups in each country would stick to the original technique, which I've indicated is the one that works. And we'd like that to be autonomous in each country. It's pretty hard. We don't want to... Obviously, I would like to be... Elaine and I would like to retire from any um, contribution to it right at this moment. But we feel that our calling is to see it through to the best we can. Um, you, if there was anybody, any person or any group that could take it over and use it, but we think it comes back to the 
instructors and associations uh, around the world to stick to the original and it'll last as long as that happens. I mean, 100 years' time, it might be forgotten. 100 years' time, it might be picked up by a university. I mean, we've got resource portfolios. There's been amazing work done, uh, which I tried desperately to get the uh, Craig Matamo, who worked out bone procedures to address uh, concussion and got results in seven days in universities and uh, schools in America, presented it to the authorities of the NRL in America and uh, they, they just won't, because there's no drug and because it's not medically orientated, it's not received. But Bowen will address anything in the body that you can present with. It doesn't matter what disease, condition or ever. Yes, you balance the body. Now, if I can just add something. The, this pandemic has created in people in isolation and in lockdown, stress, anxiety and separation. Whereas Bowen is designed for work and sport-related injuries, it is absolutely brilliant for calming and relaxing people. And there are procedures, and our bone therapists know that if you had any everybody now that's got a bit of stress or anxiety or separation as a result of the isolation, you should be getting to them whenever you're able to treat them and use the procedures, the BRMs, one, two, and three, as you know, but you simply follow that with the naval procedure, which is from the Specialised Bone Procedures, book number two on page 17, and finish with the Vegas procedure. And we've had people in reports that that's been used with people that have been tempted with suicide and it brings them back into relaxation and balances because this is what it does. It balances the body. And uh, anyhow, I think you probably uh, heard enough of me. No, you've done very well, and you've been incredibly generous with your with your uh, with your time today. And I, I really appreciate it. And on behalf of uh, all bone therapists around the world, I, I'd like to say, you know, a really heartfelt thanks to you and Elaine for all the work that you've done. It's, it's just not enough to say thank you. I know, but I don't know what else I could do there. But really, just to to um, to to wish you all, all the best. And um, you know, yes, one day one day you'll retire, but not today. I think well, and, uh, I just think you've done a fantastic job to to make Bowen's name known around the world, as you've said you were going to do. So you've you've accomplished that one. You can tick that box, obviously. I think so. On behalf of everybody, just thanks so much for your dedication and your passion uh, in uh, in pushing this forward. Well, thank you very much, and thanks for interviewing me again and for all your your promotional work. Just got a question for you. Do you want a job? <laughs> you want a business? <laughs> I don't know that my I don't know that my boots are big enough to fill those shoes. Yeah, I think no, I'll tell you. So. You're, you're a talented, educated, generous man, Chris. So thank you very much for your for talking to me and for listening. And um, thank you for the promotion you do for Bowen because obviously it is pretty unique in the world.
Good on yours. That's a great note to finish on. Thanks very much for talking to us on the Bone Buzz. Oh, pleasure. Love to everybody. Bye-bye. Good Bye-bye. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Bowen Buzz podcast brought to you by Geelong Bowen and Remedial Therapies and Bowen Buzz Training. If you'd like to help keep the lights on and assist the ongoing production of the Bowen Buzz podcast, you can hit the donate button and we thank you for any assistance given. I'd also like to thank Louis Reed for our original music. I'm your host, Chris Reed, wishing you all the best till next time. Enjoy the buzz.